Hello everyone, you are listening to the Voice of Discourse, and I'm your host Robert and Shimway. And today I am joined with me and Monique are joined with a special guest. And if she can introduce herself. Hello, my name is Kakazi. I am currently in the college, class of 2022 from Kigali, Rwanda. I'm very, very happy to be here, especially in support of the topic we're discussing today. All right, well, thank you for coming on. And Monique, you want to introduce yourself as well? Sure. My name is Monique. I'm from New York. I'm a freshman in the college, majoring in American Studies and double minoring in Government and French. So I'm going to start off today's topic with a portion of an article that was written in the New York Times, and it goes like this. The human cargo was loaded on ships at a bustling wharf in the nation's capital, destined for the plantations of the Deep South. Some slaves pleaded for rosaries as as they were rounded up, praying for deliverance. But on this day, in the fall of 1838, no one was spared. Not the two-month-old baby and her mother, not the field hands, not the shoemaker, and not Cornelius Hawkins, who was about 13 years old when he was forced on board. Their panic and desperation would be mostly forgotten for more than a century. But this was no ordinary slave sale. The enslaved African Americans had belonged to the nation's most prominent Jesuit priests, and they were sold, along with the scores of others, to help secure the future of the premier Catholic institution of higher learning at the time, known today as Georgetown University. And so first I want to say that we give thanks to the African peoples who endured so much sacrifice through no choice of their own so that we could be at this institution today. And we also give thanks to the native people of this land who suffered grave injustice through no choice of their own so that we could occupy the space that we do today. And so today's discussion is on the GU-272 reparations referendum taking place April 11th by the Georgetown University's undergraduate student population. We will first start off with exploring as to how the conversation about Georgetown's past with slavery came about. And so on that note, uh, so uh, Kakazi, what's your understanding uh, of how, you know, the public came to understand as to how, you know, Georgetown had this history of slavery? So, I think it was within, like, the public understanding or at least assumption that, you know, we're in D.C., which is South Far enough for people to own slaves or have some, like, past history in contact with slaves. Mm -hmm. But um, in 1838, Georgetown sold these 272 that you were talking about. Right. But before, during, and after that, they had thousands of slaves, you know, basically running the university and Mm -hmm. rebuilding it escorting students all around people used to pay like people used to give slaves instead of um so that they're as to pay for the tuition board yeah Mm -hmm. to pay for it for for room and board and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing right and um in 2015 i believe it was um i think it was a hoya the hoya yes Uh, yes yeah Mm -hmm. uncovered uncovered um a document by the meticulous jesuits as they're well known um discussing the sale of these 272 mm. and that's how it came into like the actual like public you know knowledge schema mm. there were a lot of protests a lot of like student uprising because um fjr former jesuit residents also known as like ryan and isaac hawkins mm. hall was named after the um jesuit who basically like put his name on the slave sale who was headmaster of the slave right. sale as far as so um georgetown once they were outed um put together a working group, working group of, mm-hmm. you know, people who could advise the university on how to um, begin, you know, re- reconciliation after the, with their slave, with their past with slavery, right? Mm. 
working group puts together all these recommendations, talking about financial reparations, talking about um, having conversation on campus, talking mm. about how they can help the descendants of this legacy. And Georgetown University takes down, I think, like three things on the very, very long to-do list. Right. And pat on the back, DeJoy gives a speech, and now we're here in 2019. And descendants are still, you know, going through the same disenfranchisements that, you know, slavery does to groups of people. Mm. And Georgetown University students, Georgetown University administration, Georgetown University community continues to, you know, thrive Mm. and pump out million dollar making babies, you know. And so on that note, Monique, what do you think about this fact that it took Georgetown University hundred over a century for for their um you know involvement um in the sale of enslaved people and their past with slavery for it to become public knowledge why did it take until 2015 2016 for it to get into the psyche of you know the georgetown population and just you know this is our society as a whole to know that georgetown had this in their past you know what does that say about the university that it took us this long for it to be public knowledge. Right. Um, I think it means that it's not surprising because no one's going to want to admit, especially at such a high institution like Georgetown, that um, even though it's kind of assumed to be a lot of these older universities, they were built by slaves, but they're not going to come out and openly say, hey, like our university was built by slaves because then they know people are going to be like, okay, now what are you going to do about it? So they're going to try to keep it as a secret as long as possible, which is obviously very problematic problematic on its own. Um, and so I guess it was about time that 2015, 2016 was the time when the Hoya article came out and all the research was done and information was dug up. And then uh, Georgetown has a long history of student activism uh, pushing the university to enact certain things so it only makes sense that it's the students that it started with the students and they're the ones that have have that have been pushing the administration to do certain things and that's why at the end of the day it's going to still come down to the students in terms of the referendum right and so you know we've established the fact that you know the students were part of that role of trying to push for it for it to become public knowledge and the research that was done but guys, can you help people understand as to what role this sale um, sort of what, what kind of impact it had on the Georgetown that we know of today, of the university, of, mm-hmm. of it being an institution, as we call it today <coughs> and as we know it? Uh, so it's a well-known fact Like the Jesuits were very good with education. They were very good with like having this intersectional outlook on religion and Christianity and that sort of thing. People thought the Jesuits were like the kindest of the kind. Right. But one thing they weren't very good with was money. Mm. Right. So it came as no surprise. Um, 1838, that has to be like maybe 50, 40 years after the university was um, founded. Right. They're going bankrupt. So they've already have had slaves, you know, working, already had slaves, you know, as a form of like physical currency mm-hmm. but when the university was about to go bankrupt like cease to actually exist as an institution as a mm. place of learning um i think the idea was brought up to the leaders of the university who all happened to be you know white male jesuits um not a matter of convenience but a matter of you know fact, fact. that's <laughs> that's our history here right um so i think someone brought up the idea that hey 
um, if we sell 272 men, women, and children mm-hmm. to this plantation down in Louisiana, we'll make enough money to, and I think the, mon- the amount of money is like something like $3.5 million yes, yeah, today's currency. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone brings up this idea that they should be sold. Um, people vote on it, and a majority, you know, passes. And they sell these people, many of them, I think the majority of them, younger than every single Georgetown undergraduate right now. Right. Many of them under the age of 18. So people have no yeah. choice. Yeah, you know. like, I mean, s- slavery. Right, yes. You know. <laughs> you know. So they're, they're selling, like, actual infants, women, children, you know, men. And then the university continues to exist, mm. right? The, the university continues not just to exist, but to thrive. And flourish. Yeah. Mm. And students are not paying tuition like because these people were sold these people continue to work on georgetown university land these people continue to like serve as sustainers of economy Mm. by being the currency Mm. so when you talk about the georgetown university we have today when you want to talk about every single crest you see of georgetown university that has a year that says like 17 or 18 or 19 or 2000 every single moment of that has been touched has been aided has been like founded in the labor of these people right. in the cruel like free extorted terrible mm. and illegal labor right. of these people so when you talk georgetown university mm. you are talking the result of slaves you are talking like white supremacy you're talking mm. where li- this land we're on literally wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for these people Mm -hmm. and so on that note obviously you know georgetown learned well georgetown knew but you know the 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 public and student population it's it's public knowledge of of this history that we benefited from the sale of these enslaved people and so obviously you talk about the working group that georgetown put together um and so they had different recommendations you know of what the university should do there's one of them an apology which you know the president um 2016 i believe he offered uh, some sort of written and spoken uh, apology to the descendants. Uh, and so they gave this whole array of things that they, to do. You know, some things were about putting memorials around campus, about, you know, making this information easy and accessible. Uh, and so for you, Monique, you know, in terms of what they have been, what, what the university has done um, to make this, you know, a known thing, you know, whether it's, is there a required course, you know, for Georgetown students to learn about this? Do you think that they're doing the work that you know this working group presented to them of saying everyone should know of this knowledge because I'll walk around and ask some students about this and they won't know what the GU 272 is or what the sale was or that you know slavery is in our past so what do you see what's your experience with the results that have came out of you know out of this revelation and of this working group I think that the university has not done enough like at all um, I think that they created the working group and then they were kind of just like and then they made a few apologies mm. and renamed a building and they were like all right we're good mm. and that's just not the case uh, especially like the fact that there are students on this campus that don't know the history of mm-hmm. the, the G272 and the and other slaves that worked on this campus right. and they don't understand the the impact and the uh the impact that it has had on us the fact that we this university would not exist. Mm. You would not be coming to this school. You would not have the privilege of having a Georgetown degree Mm -hmm. 
if they were not sold for mm. about $3.5 million in today's right. currency. Mm. So I think that the university definitely needs to do more in that aspect. Like, don't just say it at events that are about this. Say it mm. at all the events. Mm. I know, um, I think it's, it's another school. I think it's uh, UPenn or some other school. And the um, before every speech that's had, they have to say, or it's, oh, it's up in Canada. They have to say thank you for the land that mm. uh, like this the Native American thing. tribe yeah. uh, gave up mm. because they were basically exterminated from their own right. land. And they, ad- they address that every single speech. Mm. So it's like there's no escaping it. Mm. And I feel like Georgetown is, they, they, they're using the GU-272 working group as a like, Oh no, we're doing something. You know, As we're a, getting to good, check to check. Yeah, them yeah, off. and we're we're getting good press because you know we're doing stuff, and we're one of the only universities that are really going for it. Mm. But in terms, of, but that's all students. Right. That's students and the faculty that are willing to be a part of it. That is not the administration. That's not the board of directors who are the ones that are going to have the final vote on this. Mm. They they're not. That's not them. That's the students. And so, I feel like um, I mean, of course, wouldn't hurt. We have all these other. May, like requirements we have to do put in a g272 how that's affected georgetown mm-hmm. freshman year you have to take it course, required yeah. yeah that could mm. literally be your global sorry your diversity. domestic diversity yeah mm. yeah core requirement for everybody right that's like put that out there and make it known that georgetown students especially should know what's going on on their mm. campus and so you know on that topic so you know i've seen you know there is this working group recommendations and whatnot, and so out of this rose GU GU two seventy two advocacy group. And so, uh, Kakazi, can you touch a little bit on that advocacy group of those students and what they're doing, and you know how we got to this topic of you know having a a reparations referendum. Mm-hmm. And so, can you just talk about how that process has gone? Yeah. Um. So, from my understanding, the the advocacy group was born from like the students seeing the in action from the university and the administration and being very dissatisfied with that and deciding that, you know, since students was the first ones to push for change in 2015, students were there, we're going to be the first ones to actually, like, put something up front that um, could be closer to, like, reconciliations and, and, and reparations mm. as far as the descendants are concerned, right? So um, G272 was formed by... Mostly Georgetown undergrads, right? I'm pretty sure if not all Georgetown undergrads, they have a couple of descendants on the advocacy team. Mm. And the idea for um, the referendum came about as, I'm pretty sure, founded in the working group's recommendations. Mm. They were talking about um, financial reparations because, mm. like, I understand an apology and I understand, like, meaning things from the heart. But at the end of the day, like, we work in a world of money. We you got to cut the check. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. you really do. And... Um, even like doing the, the one significant, and for those of you who can't see me, which is everyone else, <laughs> I'm putting this in quotation. The only significant thing that the university has offered to descendants is legacy status, which is, um, damn near useless because, you know, these descendants don't go to schools that can get them into a place like Georgetown right, and in the legacy status. Yeah. This advocacy team puts together this referendum that's supposed to, um, collect funds from students and put them into collect i'm not going to use the word funds um collect money from students and put it into a fund or a trust for 
um, a board of half descendants, which is right. five descendants and five people who will be elected through an application process, a nomination process, mm-hmm. right? And those funds are to be al- alloc- allocated to um, descendants projects. So like eye exams or people who want Wi-Fi scholarships to other schools that are mm-hmm. not Georgetown University, the place that sold your ancestors. Right. Like all sorts of things that we have seen done by Georgetown University. Mm. So they modeled it after the SIPS fund and um, I want to say the student activities fee, yes, yeah. which are things that have like passed and been very successful mm. at Georgetown University. So I think this is like an excellent example. I say this as someone who's like very close to the advocacy team, but not in it. Mm. I think this is an excellent example of like students going out there and doing like the work, the research to actually like give us something tangible mm-hmm. and practical. Right. And so, uh, Monique, uh, help uh, help people out there understand um, in in your in your viewpoint and your opinion as to why this is an important um, you know uh, action on the student side and and why uh, we are focusing on undergraduate students at this point uh, to to make this contribution uh, to be able to help these descendants because. Can you maybe help people understand as to what are some of the things that these descendants are currently experiencing that, you know, the ramifications of, you know, their answers being sold didn't stop in the 1800s, but it still continues on. And you tie that into why it's important that students do do some sort of action to help them. Okay. So, um, so the legacy of having an ancestor that was enslaved goes generations down the line. That is one of the reasons why black Americans are on the lowest wealth accumulation. There are certain people that have had certain privileges and advantages long before black people were free um, and then even had the right to vote, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But in terms of what's happening to the descendants now, uh, first of all, they, they're in Louisiana, which is known to be a very, very poor place. And the resources that they that they have is limited. And the money that we can give them through GU272 fund would dramatically help them in whatever they decide to do with it. If it's eye exams, just to give them some glasses or something. Like, mm. all these things could greatly benefit them or... Um, scholarships to other universities and my thing is also like not to get off track from your question but like it came up to me that georgetown we give scholarships to other people like outside of the university as well like Mm -hmm. we do that to places in dc as well like other students Mm -hmm. and things like that community-based work yeah community-based work so it's like why can't you do that for the descendants of people that you had to sell to keep this university alive. Mm-hmm. Why is that so hard? Right. And for the students who also don't want to vote for it, it's like some of our tuition is already going towards scholarships, like, you know, like towards people that are actually attending the university and then, like mentioned before, community-based. So what's, the, what's $27.20 really going to do? Right? right, when our tuition is already increasing for other reasons that are not for this, mm-hmm. we had a two hundred dollar mandatory fee for Yates, mm-hmm. and no one was up in arms about having to pay that. 
And I know I've not been to Yates. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, on this topic of students having to pay, you know, obviously you have those on the opposition, um, you know, who make the argument, you know, obviously we recognize that, yes, our university is involved in this, hist in this history and the ramifications came off of that. And there's some benefits that came off of that. And that's us being able to attend this university. And so they make the argument of why is it that this referendum is asking undergraduates alone to pay this fee, but no uh, contribution is being required from graduate students, faculty, or staff, when all of these groups benefited from um, this sale. So, Kazi, what would you tell them? What, what's your response to that? Well, I think there are um, two parts to it. So the way this referendum is set up is it's going through GUSA, which mm. is... Um, the Undergraduate Student Association. That's mm. our government. So as far as the actual referendum, anything that passes can only affect undergraduate students because mm. it went through our undergraduate student government. Mm. So for example, let me put this in broad terms for the people in the back. <laughs> if America votes to, let's say, make uh, shooting people, you know, legal, make it if America votes to make you know civilians able to buy weapons on the streets Americans can do that that doesn't mean Canadians are right. gonna do that that doesn't mean Mexico is gonna do that doesn't mean Australia is gonna do it they could if they pass it through their own right ah. mm -hmm. so now let me extend this a little further <laughs> okay <laughs> if Canada sees this and for some reason thinks this legislation is a mm -hmm. good idea they can pass it through right don't have to however mm. if america does it they may be imploring other countries to mm. do the same okay now let me flip it to something even better this referendum unlike guns is good <laughs> okay. so and that's a political hot take <laughs> you never know in this economy so essentially us as the undergraduate students deciding to take the step mm. is us like saying we implore the university to do something, mm. the administration, faculty, staff, Georgetown grad students, for the help. Mm. Other universities that have like this strong a tie and relationship and right. legacy with slavery, which I know there are a lot of mm -hmm. since mm. we're in this country, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. So I think you're just, if you want to do the right thing and also want to be a leader, mm. which I feel like are two things that wonderfully intersect here at Georgetown University. Why don't you vote? Mm. Yes. Mm. And so you are touching uh, on that aspect. You know, it's almost not to do a political pun, but it is the f first act almost that, that undergraduate students mm -hmm. enacting this is a first act. It's not the end, you know, mm -hmm. of not what we all. want to do, but it's it's a set stepping stone. We first start doing this, and then we mm -hmm. implore others, part of the university, to do that. And so on that topic, again, you know, on the opposition, there's also those who say that, well, you know what? I didn't know about, you know, Georgetown's past uh, history with slavery. I, I didn't know that. And I wasn't there when the sale happened. This is all new knowledge to me. What do you say to those people that say, well, you know, I don't want you. I don't want to be forced to have to pay this fee for something in which I had no knowledge of, you know, before I applied to Georgetown. I didn't know their history. Now I do, but that's after the fact that I've applied. So what's your answer to those people who say, 
well, why would you want to make me pay for something that I didn't leave. know about? <laughs> like, just leave. Like, you said that you don't, you, oh, now you got here and now you figure it out, but but you don't want to pay the fee? Then leave. Because at the end of the day, you're still going to graduate knowing the history mm-hmm. and leave Georgetown all prestigious and go off right. to your nice little job and be making buku money or whatever. And so at the end of the day, like, your knowledge, first of all, your knowledge of it going in doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you're still benefiting from it. Uh, I didn't big... know the Darnell Hall elevators were not going to work. I didn't know I wasn't right. going to have hot water. Correct. I didn't know I was going to be sick for two months because I have mold in my room. Exactly. I didn't know that they spent a shit ton of money on tulips in this right, right, institution. Right. Like, that's, but that's guess what? That's the tea. My coin still goes directly there. And you know right. why I stayed? I stayed because I was like, you know what? Two months of being sick. I'll put up with it. Because you know what? I could be president. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks to Georgetown University and this little degree I'm going to get at the end Mm -hmm. of these four years. Exactly. So $27.20. If I put up with two (laughs) months of mold for that... I'm just saying. And they also make uh, uh, this case of the fact that, you know, so basically, you know, $27 per semester, that's about $54 a year. And if you multiply that by four, yes, it comes out around to be about 200 something dollars, you know, in all those four years that a student is going at Georgetown. So, so, so they also, opposition also makes the point, the case that, well, there are kids who are low income who just can't afford to pay this $200 over the course of four years at Georgetown. What's your take uh, on that uh, about those who can't afford to pay that $200? Okay. So the way that financial um, aid is set up here at Georgetown University, as, as far as I understand it, is, huh? Oh, sorry. Cool. You know, is, is you have an expected family contribution, right? Mm. So let's say that is... 30k one year Mm. if it changes from year to year then that is literally what is subtracted off the total of 70,000 plus right and if that 2720 is added to your financial aid sorry is that 2720 is added to your tuition and your expected family contribution doesn't change it's not affecting you basically yeah it doesn't change your financial aid will get Mm. bigger the way that math works mm. in this universe is your financial aid will get bigger to cover that twenty seven twenty. Right. So I understand that there's still, you know, an unfortunate quarter or part of students that don't get the financial aid or the financial um, you know, help or grants or scholarships that they may need to attend mm. this university despite the fact that this university claims to be so wonderful with handing out all the monies in the world. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to really take a leap of faith out here and say it's $27.20 per semester. If you work a minimum wage job in Washington, D.C., $13.25 an hour, that's literally just over two two hours of work Mm. a semester dedicated. So if you can tell me that these two hours of work are your dedication to the people who basically built the university, the degree, the the thing you hold so near and dear that you're staying here for four years and mm. working at it, if you can just dedicate two hours of that times two per year. Right. Like I think I think you'll find some way to justify mm. that. Like you know? Right. And, and Monique, they also touch on the case that um twenty seven dollars and twenty cents is 
you know, it lacks uh, meaning, that it's too symbolic. Um, and in that, and I don't know what, you know, the basis of that is, but it's basically saying, you know, why $27? You know, that it lacks symbol, symbolic uh, symbolic value and meaning and, you know, how is how do they even come up with that amount and whatnot? What do you, what do you say to that when they use that as a basis to vote against this? Referendum. They they say that it lacks symbolic value. Yes, that no, there that the like foundation foundation oh, like if, factual yeah. value. Yeah. Oh, okay. Measurement. You know what okay. kind of measurement they use to get to. Symbolic. It's like twenty seven. Yeah, yeah we kind of get okay. <laughs> um, but okay. So yes, I understand that to a certain extent. But math is math, and if you just the, if you do the math, what is that? Four hundred. Four hundred k a year. Four hundred k a year. Mm. I think that's a pretty good amount of money to give to descendants like right. i don't think we need really like a specific down to the t down to the t like researched on how many how much money these people need and da 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 and da da right. mm-hmm. no like just do it for the do the 27 dollars 20 cents a semester mm. have this trust for them and then just let them do let them decide what they want done with the money right and i actually did uh look up a we talked, you know, the, the sale was about three point something million dollars. I actually did look at the numbers what that would come down to, and it would come down to about fifty five dollars per semester. If we were actually, if we would go based off that measurement, oh, so that would be a little bit more than twenty seven. So I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe if we increase the amount to the actual, right. okay. you know, I amount that it would cost each student, know. maybe they will come on board. But I just <laughs> wanted to put that out there. Since they're looking for facts, <laughs> facts and measurements. So. Yes, <laughs> uh, and so. I'm going to say one thing in regards to the opposition, and I want you to take this on, Kakazi. Um, they say, um, you know, that uh, basically that uh, this uh, that this amount, this contribution um, that, that we're, uh, some people say that this contribution that we're making is not going to have that much of a lasting impact on those descendants. And so that's one reason as to why people should vote against it. What's your uh, response to that? Um, in the most diplomatically possible, that's some bullshit. Like, <laughs> what you're telling me is that you, as a person who is not disenfranchised by the sale, mm. are going to decide that <laughs> 400000 is really just not enough. Like, right. Even if I... T- okay, to those people, I frankly ask, if someone gave you 400000 today... Would that not do anything to you, right. for you and your family? Because mm. that's some nonsense. Like, I really, I, I just really don't understand how you. I, I don't know what kind of money you must be rolling in <laughs> to think that four hundred thousand right. is a drop in the bucket. <laughs> like, mm. it's ridiculous. People are asking for eye exams. People are asking for like. Th- I remember the day someone told me this. I was like, oh, this is. The closest school, the closest, I think, high school to Maringwin, Louisiana, which is where a lot of the descendants are, is 40 miles away. Right. 40 miles away. In this country, the United States of America. Mm. That is absurd. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is only just a small symbolic marker of how these people have been, like, deprived Mm. of social economic and political like wealth welfare Mm. right Mm. so and i think the most important bit that we always need to highlight about this is how 
this is not for us as like Georgetown University undergrads to come and decide, oh, this is our gift to the people. Right. This is our charity. Like, you get to go to school. You get to go to school. You like get Oprah. an eye exam. Yeah, like we're not the Oprahs of this world. This is like, these people coming and deciding, like, this is what I need right now. And thank you for that $27.20 that you mm. gave so that, you know, I can take my life and, you know, do what I need to do with it right, right. now. Because some of these people, let's face it, don't want to go to Georgetown, mm. are too old to want to go to Georgetown, mm. need other things except the institution right. that sold their ancestors. Mm. And they should be able to make that decision. And $400,000 goes a long way in making right. that happen. Mm. And I also just want to remind people that that $400,000 is going to a board of trustees, which is, uh, I believe you talked about it, comprised of five descendants, five uh, Georgetown students who go through an application process, and the five descendants on the board also have a role in uh, choosing those uh, applicants and that, you know, people in the community will come to that board. Um, descendants, you know, of this uh, past will come to that board and propose a project or some sort of financial need that they may have. Mm-hmm. And then that board would look at how to allocate that money. Um, and just the, the closing thing on this uh, uh, in terms of opposition, a lot of people were uh, talking about needing an oversight, you know, of this board. Uh, that, you know, well, if you're asking for money that's coming out of my pocket and that's going to this community, that I should be able to at least know what's going on, um, some sort of oversight um board or committee and whatnot and Monique just quickly on that you know what's your answer to that in terms of having an oversight of what this board does I mean I definitely think so when there's money around not saying that we can't trust people but just to be a bit realistic um, there needs to be oversight on that Um, I think the people should be not I think they should be completely separate from the working group Mm. and also not in GUSA just a very like an independent independent uh group that's just solely focused on maybe like writing reports keeping records exactly yeah yeah and just like keeping the students up to date so very transparent so Mm. if that's once a semester like creating a powerpoint Mm. or um a piece of writing explaining where did the money go this semester and Mm. where does it where does the group want it to go next semester things like that um and is it is it making change like show people that it's making change and why we should continue to do it Mm. And so uh, on that note, uh, I just, you know, Kakazi uh, said, you know, what is this student-led movement uh, of students saying that we have uh, um, some sort of responsibility to the injustice that our university committed and that we have to, you know, uh, put our money in our check where our mouths are and, you know, and, and we should do something financially. What does this say about, you know, uh, uh, about the Georgetown students and, and, you know, this movement? You know, what does that say about the psyche of the Georgetown, you know, student? Um, I think it says that we're, we're on the way to, like, a pat on the back, but we should never really aim to get there. Mm-hmm. I think it says, like, we are beginning to grapple with and try to understand our role, the way we benefit from this, like, black, white, Mm. African-American, black American, however you came to this university, you're trying to understand the fact that you're only here because of Mm. the history, because of the legacy, because of, like, the hard and cruel, once again, work of these people. And I think... For those of us prepared to vote, yes. For those of us prepared to vote, period. For those of us having these conversations, 
saying like applying some actual critical thinking to this i think it shows like the bare minimum of like the human condition it shows that we we care and we're willing to you know think about things Mm. i definitely don't think it's something that is like I'm not in the business of, of like walking around and like shaking people's hands and clapping for people when they're doing shit like they're supposed to be. Like, right, as a human being. Yeah, like yeah. I don't expect anyone to be like, oh my God, look at them, charity, wonderful. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it says we're doing shit like we're supposed to be. Like mm. this, this is in my head, in my understanding what a place like Georgetown is supposed to, to do for people is put them in a position where they understand like they're a product of good, bad and mm. anything in between right. and that they have the power and responsibility to do some shit about it. Mm. Yeah. And uh, Monique, uh, just on your closing statement, uh, what are your hopes uh, in regards to this referendum? What comes out of it? Um, if results go the way in which they want them to go, if results don't go in the way in which we want them to go, what's your hope for the next step? Um, you know, whether it goes through uh, whether in regards to administration, to other institutions who have, you know, slavery in their past, what are your hope, you know, that will come out of this referendum? I hope that um, if it does pass um, the referendum, if it passes, uh, then the Board of Trustees will approve it. Um, I don't know how optimistic I am about that, but I think if they see that the student body is coming out in waves, and are really getting behind this, then that definitely speaks for um, them going in the right direction, in my opinion. Uh, I think also if it passes, that'd be very good for Mm. other universities to look, like we have a name, you Mm. know what I'm saying? Like we have this uh, presence in higher education that we should use. Right. And so if other universities sees that, oh, like this actually, past and you know everything's going in the right direction then they might decide to try their hand at it well as well which mm. could help a ton of other people right. um if it's voted no then i hope that we don't stop mm. like i i really hope that maybe yeah, okay the financial reparations part may not have worked at this time mm. but there's still a whole list of things that the working group came up with um that the university should do and so the university wants oh like if if it doesn't pass that doesn't mean you you're off right. like that's it like oh the students don't want it so don't don't use that excuse no, don't they use didn't that like excuse. that <laughs> because there's still a whole lot of things that you could do all on your own that you don't need like student support or anything in the working group that you put together mm-hmm. um but also i just want to say like one of our jesuit values is men and women for others but some of y'all are really selfish. Mm. You come into this university, right? And all of our Jesuit values, we're supposed to uphold that as an individual. That's what we're taught. That's why mm. we have to take these theology classes, these philosophy classes. Let me mm. school you a little bit. Yep. That's why we're supposed to take them, right? And you're here being selfish about $27.20. Why don't you put yourself in the shoes of those descendants that the closest high school is 40 miles away. Mm-hmm. The closest high school to most of us was not 40 miles away. Just put it was it around there. the block. Exactly. <laughs> you, could, you could just walk there in five minutes. Okay? And think about how your access to education has led you to where you are now. Mm. 
and let and is going to lead you to more opportunities mm. and how they're not going to have those opportunities because of just simple in some in some mm-hmm. uh, circumstances it's just a simple matter of luck because there are some people who are opposed to this that are descendants of American chattel slavery, okay? But it's just, it seemed like life just turned out better for you. And that's great. But other people did not have that right. same opportunity, that same chance. So this $400,000 can really, really help these people and their families for generations. Hmm. And, and Kakazi, what are your hopes just quickly on that? Um... I mean, I think I think I could close out with like the same sentiment of the Jesuit values. Like, it's not just it's not just like men and women for others. It's it's like community and diversity. It's it's I think justice through through it's interreligious faith, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. there's like for the greater glory of God. And I'm, I, I I don't know. About I haven't done my homework on the Jesuit values. That, <laughs> yeah, I don't know God that deeply, but I'm pretty sure he'd be like happy with some you know right. balancing of the scales. Right. Mm. I. I I don't I feel I've heard so many things throughout this process, right? I've heard all sorts of sides of the coin. I thought the coin had two sides. Turns out it had it has like a million more. It's mm. a ball. It was yeah. a trick. And I've picked up so many sentiments and so many like little quotes of wisdom, and I think what stuck with me What's coming to my mind right now is something um, I don't remember exactly who said, but I think it was more than just one person. And they said, you should be able to think about who you are and where you are now and then recognize the role that other people had to play in that. And once you recognize that role, mm. you'll see that you have a responsibility to, to not just repay them, but to, to do right by them, mm. you know? And it really, really, really hurts me when, like, I understand, I understand, to a certain extent, I understand, like, politics, I understand the logistics of things, I understand if you don't think, like, um, a number is founded in facts, or if it's, like, a disagreement of, like, the language and the mm-hmm. semantics of, of, of the referendum or a bill or something, right? But I think at the end of the day, it's you being able to be like, wow, I'm really a Hoya. I'm I'm a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, alumni, professor, person who is directly like the work I do is touched by these people, mm-hmm. is because of these people, is thanks to these people. And being able to recognize that then like flip it and turn around and be like, what do I mm. what can I do what can I do now? So I hope that people really take to making a decision. And making a good one at that, or at least like right. one that they they have thought through. Mm. Well, thank you both for that. I think we've had a, an amazing dialogue on this a- issue about the GU two seventy two referendum. And remember, that's April eleventh. Make sure you, every student, make sure you all go vote. We need at least twenty five percent of the student body population to vote. And also, just to uh, run back uh, that New York Times article that I opened up with, the title of it is 272 Slaves Were Sold to Save Georgetown. What does it owe to their descendants? And that is by Rachel L. Swarns. And, um, you know, I will end off with this. And this is in regards to the, the, large, the Georgetown community, whether it's students, staff, and whatnot, and the larger, uh, you know, uh, uh, Georgetown community, as well as our nation and our society uh, as a whole. And I'll leave you guys with uh, some words from the Working Group on Slavery, Memory, and Reconciliation. Uh, 
And, you know, they said slavery, slave labor, and slave trade is part of our history. All of us, students, alumni, faculty, staff, administration, and friends are the hires of this history. And all of us must make ourselves its humble trustees. As a university community, we need to know, to acknowledge, and to absorb the history, that history as part of what makes Georgetown what it is. We are, we are after all, slavery's beneficiaries still today. There can be neither justice nor reconciliation until we grasp that truth. And so uh, on that note, thank you for listening to the Voice of Discourse. Make sure to subscribe to the Georgetown Voice on Apple Podcasts to catch up with more Voice Podcasts. Also like us on Facebook and see you next time.